Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. If you've been listening to the show for a while now, you know that I like to put you in the mindset and the perspective of the characters in the story as much as I can. I think that a story is best understood when we live in that character's shoes. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but we're going to go with it. So I want you to picture the situation that Baron finds himself in. And this is this will be a, a quick recap here. Baron loses his home, his family, everybody he cares about. He wanders in the wilderness, pursued by his enemies, to the brink of death, stumbles into an enchanted forest, comes across the most beautiful sight he's ever seen, falls in love in an enchanted sort of way, except for the fact that this magical elf maiden that he's run into actually feels the same way about him. It is a fairy tale. We are in the midst of a fairy tale here. But before Baron can gain back his strength, has any time to think about what's going on, he's marched in front of her father, the lord of this land, whose will is not to be contested. And in the midst of all of this, Baron is able to put forth a fairly solid rebuttal of the things that Thingol throws at him. He defends himself very well for being exhausted and desperate and, and in an emotional state that most people I don't think would survive. And here he is, now given an impossible task to retrieve a Silmaril from the crown of the Dark Lord himself. He is not an Elf Lord. He is not one of the Maiar. He is not one of the most powerful beings in the, in the world. He is a mortal man, pitted against the most dangerous and powerful thing these people have ever known. And then he is sent from the halls to go about however he's going to accomplish this. So, we are traveling today between the forests of Doriath out towards Nargothrond. Because what would you do in this situation? You don't have a home to go back to. You have nowhere to go to rest and prepare yourself for this journey. You cannot stay here. Thingol will not allow you to stay in his realm. And he sends you out the door, hopefully, from his perspective, to die on your journey and to not even make it close. And if you did, and if you bring back a Silmaril, then you've just given him one of the most precious and valuable things in existence. And like we mentioned last week, this brings Thingol into the doom of the Noldor. And this story will not only wrap Thingol into this doom, but others as well. So Baron decides to head to Nargothrond. Why Nargothrond? Because Nargothrond 
is the kingdom of Finrod Felagund, the friend of his father, the one who gave the ring of Barahir to Baron's father, Barahir. If he has a friend anywhere in this world, then King Finrod might be the only one left. And so he braves the forests again, makes his way out of Doriath, is given leave to at least make his way out safely. And we're told about precisely the path that he takes and and all of that stuff. You can read that for yourself. It's really not that interesting. But the most interesting part here is as he gets closer and closer to Nargothrond, he knows that he is again in danger. The realms of these elven lords are not approached lightly, and they are guarded in secret. The elves are very good at watching their borders from the trees in ways that others cannot perceive them. Think about how difficult it is for individuals out in the wild to find Rivendell, or the way that the, the Fellowship was basically taken at unawares while entering Lothlorien and couldn't have fought to save themselves if they tried. There were too many elven archers hidden out of sight protecting those lands. This is a tradition that goes back all the way to the First Age, and Nargothrond is no different. We're told that their arrows were sure and deadly. This is talking about the archers who lay and wait on the borders, and nothing crept there against their will. Therefore, ere Baron had come far upon his road, they were aware of him, and his death was nigh. They would rather have shot first and asked questions later, because the safety and security of their land, of their home, of the hidden realm of Nargothrond, was more important than any who would happen to wander into these borders. It was assumed that if you were supposed to be there, then you were brought with some sort of escort, or at least they would know that you would be coming and to look for you. An individual in Baron's state in this situation, looking the way he does, wandering through the forest, would look potentially like one of the enemy, maybe a spy. And Baron knew this. He knew that he was in danger. And so he takes the ring, the ring that Feligand, Finrod Feligand gave to his father and holds it aloft in the air, holding out the ring, and he can't see the elves. So he starts crying aloud. We're told often, I am Baron, son of Bear here, friend of Feligand. Take me to the king. Over and over as he enters the woods, because he knows that he won't be able to see the archers in the trees before they shoot him. And it works. The archers can see that this is in fact, the ring, Finrod's ring, that was given to Barahir. And so they bring Baron in front of King Finrod, and we're told that he knows him, even without the ring. Now, Finrod never met Baron. Baron's too young. He met Barahir before Baron 
was alive, I believe. I know I could be wrong about these things, and please correct me if I am. But I believe that Berahir did not have a son yet when they met each other. And in this situation, Finrod is he's he's an elf lord. He has these abilities that go beyond our understanding. And sure, Baron's going to look something like his father being descended from him. But Finrod knew right away. He understood right away that this was a member of Beor's kin, that this would be the son of Barahir simply by looking at him. And Finrod listens to Baron's story. Baron explains everything that's going on. He even breaks down into tears. And it would make sense. I mean, think about the the trauma, the emotional trauma that he's just gone through and all of the things that that he is dealing with to be finally welcomed by somebody who can lend him some aid or at least a place to rest. But we're told in this moment that Finrod knew that the oath he had sworn to Barahir would come back to him. And in this moment, this would bring him his death. The same exact way that he foretold this to Galadriel when he had some sense of the way the future might play out. And if you don't recall that stuff, go back and listen to those episodes because we talked about that stuff. That was all foreshadowing of this moment and the moments to come. And there's a big quote here that I want to read because of course, and I say this all the time, Tolkien's words are going to be better than mine. It says here, quote, It is plain that Thingol desires your death. This is Finrod talking to Baron. But it seems that his doom goes beyond his purpose, and that the oath of Feanor is again at work. For the Silmarils are cursed with an oath of hatred, and he that even names them in desire moves a great power from slumber, and the sons of Feanor would lay all the elf kingdoms in ruin rather than suffer any other than themselves to win or possess a Silmaril, for the oath drives them. And Finrod is just speaking truth here. He's explaining the situation to Baron and to us, the reader, that that oath, which was vowed hundreds of years ago now, is still in full effect. The doom that Mandos put on Feanor will affect everyone, and this vortex will pull everybody in who even names the Silmarils as something that they would want to hold. He goes on and says, And now Kelegorm and Kurufin are dwelling in my halls. And if you remember back to the Battle of Sudden Flame, how their lands were taken over and they retreated and they were welcomed into Nargothrond by Finrod, well, they're now living here. He goes on and says, and though I, Finarfin's son, reminding us that that is the brother of Feanor, so Kelegorm and Kurufin's uncle, I, Finarfin's son, am king. They have won a strong power in the realm and lead many of their own people. They have shown friendship to me in every need, but I fear that they will show neither love nor mercy to you if your quest be told. Yet my own oath holds, and thus we are all ensnared. So basically, they will not be a friend to you if you claim that you are out to claim one of the Silmarils for any purpose other than to return it to the sons of Feanor. They will stand against you to whatever ends. And if I, 
associate myself with you and help you with this with this goal, then I will be an enemy as well to them. And yet, because of my previous vows, which I will not go against to your father, I have to do this. I'm now pulled into this vortex as well. It goes on and says, Then King Feligan spoke before his people, recalling the deeds of Berahir and his vow, and he declared that it was laid upon him to aid the son of Berahir in his need. Basically, he puts forth all of the reasoning to say that I would not be a good and moral king if I did not stick to my word. And these are the great things that Berahir did. And this is why I vowed it. Here's all of my reasoning. But that's not enough. And he sought the help of his chieftains. Then Kelegorm arose amid the throng, and drawing his sword, he cried, Be he friend or foe, whether demon of Morgoth or elf, or child of men, or any other living thing in Arda, neither law nor love nor league of hell, nor might of the Valar, nor any power of wizardry, shall defend him from the pursuing hate of Feanor's sons, if he take or find a Silmaril and keep it. For the Silmarils we alone claim until the world ends. Basically, there is nothing that will stop us from coming after you if you decide to take a Silmaril and keep it for yourself or give it to someone other than the sons of Feanor until the end of the world. This could not be stated more extremely. He includes everything, everyone, the Valar themselves. And we're told that this has the same energy as the vow that they made hundreds of years ago, that this is no different to them today than it was then. And that makes sense. These are elves. Time doesn't change them, or at least not very much, usually. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it.
All right, here we are in the middle of the show. This is where we get to thank our patrons, everybody who helps support the show and read out some ratings and reviews. And man, you guys are blowing this up. I know there's a lot of excitement about the Amazon series Rings of Power and uh, all of that. So I think we're getting a lot of attention because of that as well. But thank you to everybody for all of your support. And here, we're just going to read through everybody who signed up in the last week. We have Tristan S., Katrina T., Tim M, Katie W, Duracell Pooh, wonderful name, uh, Cody P, Bryce S, Sunder Thunder, um, Postal K- Kitty, and Chris B. Welcome to the Patreon, everybody. Thank you for being here. I couldn't do this without you. This is amazing. You guys are the best. We are up to 65 current patrons and five VIP patrons who get called out every week. So that includes Brad C, Chris D, Esoteric Rage, Larry, and Tristan P. Thank you to all of you for your support. It is amazing. You guys you guys make this, like, every time every time I see somebody sign up or every time one of you guys comments on one of the posts or, or sends me some information that I think is really cool, it just it warms my heart. So thank you very much for all of, all of that support. Also, we have a uh, few new reviews to read out here let's see not as much as last time so this won't take very long but um i believe we didn't cover uh this we'll start with this one sometimes they come in late and it has a hard i have a hard time like remembering which ones we did all right so this is the first one uh there's three new ones this one's from i Jesus. <laughs> i i lowercase i capital j e w s u s very cool name uh, from Canada who writes amazing podcast, highly recommended five stars. I listen to these on my commute and it's fun to listen. Having read everything yet making new connections. Keep up the great work. I Jesus. Thank you very much. Also, we have tool drop from the U S who writes obsessed five stars. I'm obsessed with this podcast. I love how you break down Tolkien's works with ease and help expand my knowledge of this special world. Tooldrop, thank you so much for that one as well. And then we have one more, BiggleDDog777, I think I pronounced that right, who uh, also from the United States writes, you are on it, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. Okay, incredibly accurate and on point. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, if you want to help out the show, then one of the ways to do that is leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. I'll read those out in the future, or you can leave some ratings on Spotify or whatever other podcatcher you listen to. If there's a way to rate or review the show, that helps a ton. It really does. Also, thank you to all of you guys who have been joining me during my live streams. I know that little thing pops up at the beginning of these episodes with updates on my goal of getting 100 concurrent people hanging out together in my live stream. But a number of you have already started showing up and saying, hi, I listened to this podcast. And and then we get to nerd out and talk about things and and kind of share some ideas about stuff. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. So if you want to come hang out with me, usually during the weeks on Mondays, Wednesdays and Friday afternoons over at twitch.tv slash robots radio, that's where the community gathers. Also, there's the discord Lots of wonderful ways to plug into this awesome community. It's one of the best places on the internet, one of the nicest places on the internet. And it really is amazing because of you guys. So thank you very much. All right, let's move on with the rest of the show. So Tolkien makes it very, very clear in this part of the story that not only Finrod's time, but 
the actual realm of Nargothrond itself is now limited. That all of this is now caught up in the struggles of the other elves, the sons of Feanor. There is doom on the horizon, you could say that. In fact, this sentence does it justice. It says, thus they fell from the valor, not valar, valor, and freedom of the elves of old, and their land was darkened. From this day onward, Nargothron's time is limited. And we get a, a very detailed explanation here about how the sons of Feanor push back against him and how there's division between the group. And there's a section here that I'll read out that kind of sums this up pretty well. And now they murmured that Finarfin's son was not as a Vala to command them. This is the sons of Feanor. And they turned their faces from him. But the curse of Mandos came upon the brothers, and dark thoughts arose in their hearts, thinking to send forth Felagund alone to his death. Basically, they are now pitted directly against him and would send him off on his own to his own doom, similarly to the way King Thingol sends off Baron to his. And to usurp it might be the throne of Nargothrond, for they were the eldest line of the princes of the Noldor. With Finrod gone, they could take over control of Nargothrond. And it's amazing here. We're told by Finrod himself that they have worked only peacefully together up into this point. And then because of this one change, they're turned into enemies. And the sons of Feanor are now plotting to take over Nargothrond. And Felagan, seeing that he was forsaken took from his head the silver crown of Nargothrond and cast it to his feet, saying, Your oaths of faith to me you may break, but I must hold my bond. Basically, you might be an oath-breaker, but I am not. Yet, if there be any on whom the shadow of our curse has not yet fallen, I should find at least a few to follow me. It should not go hence as a beggar, that is thrust from the gates. Like, I will go, but there must be someone here. There must be at least some of you who still side with me for doing the right thing. And we're told that there are 10, 10 members of his court, 10 elves who stand up and go with them. The chief of that group, we are told, is named Edrahil. And Edrahil stoops down picks up the crown and says, this shall be given to a steward until Feligan's return, for you remain my king and theirs, whatever be tied. Basically, don't, don't go jumping to conclusions here, sons of Feanor. There will be a steward king and it is not you, it is someone else, and they will rule on Finrod's behalf until he returns. Then Finrod gave the crown of Nargothrond to Orodrith, his brother, to govern in his stead. And Kelegorm and Kerufin said nothing, but they smiled and went from the halls. Now there's a conflict here. This is one of those things that you just have to be aware of. So Orodrith is Finrod's brother, the fourth son of Finway, right? So Finway has Feanor with the first 
first wife and then he has the other children and although they are on an older like more more old line i guess you can say of the family tree than the sons of feanor because they are the next level down the question then becomes who inherits should finrod be be gone does it go to the next oldest male the the brother oradrith or does it go to the sons of the oldest male who was feanor and like we've talked about before this stuff isn't always cut and dry when it comes to ancestry and the lineage of elves and those kinds of things so the sons of feanor clearly believe that they have a claim to nargothron's throne at least so finrod and this group of ten and baron set out and it doesn't tell us how much time goes by is baron able to at least catch his breath a little bit but they equip themselves and set themselves out into the wilderness in order to take on Baron's quest together. Let that sink in. Eleven elves, including a lord of the Noldor and Baron a man, are going to try to retrieve a Silmaril from Morgoth's crown. Twelve people. Twelve. These numbers come up. There's a lot of these important numbers in history and in mythology, and especially in Christian mythology, numbers like 12 or seven or three. And those things actually tie all the way back to Hebrew and Jewish numbers. So Tolkien is doing something here with that number. We are also told in this situation that Finrod has some abilities in order to help keep them safe in the wilderness, especially as they're getting closer and closer to these lands that are now ruled by orcs. We're told by the arts of Feligand, their own forms and faces were changed into the likeness of orcs. He has the magical ability to change the way that others perceive them so that now they look like a band of orcs working their way through the forest. And as they move north... They have to cross through the lands that Sauron holds. Remember, he took that tower and Sauron in his tower is aware of them. It says, and doubt took him for they went in haste and stayed not to report their deeds as was commanded to all the servants of Morgoth that passed that way. These were not acting like normal orcs. They were moving in different ways and Sauron from his tower could espy them from a distance and they stood out. Therefore, he sent to waylay them and bring them before him. Thus befell the contest of Sauron and Feligan, which is renowned. And we're told that Sauron captures them and he strips from them their disguise. And they stood before him naked and afraid. Basically, they're not just there like without their clothing on. They are there as themselves, not as orcs laid before him in their vulnerability but though their kinds were revealed, meaning men or elves, Sauron could not discover their names or their purposes. He couldn't figure out who they were. He cast them, therefore, into a deep pit, dark and silent, and threatened to slay them cruel, unless one would betray the truth to him. From time to time, they saw two eyes kindled in the dark, and a werewolf devoured one of their companions but none betrayed their Lord. 
It's also speculated here in some circles that that werewolf may also have been Sauron himself from time to time, not just a regular werewolf because he would take on the form of a wolf. So the next piece here is very interesting because it talks about what happens while they're captured and the conflict, the direct battle between Finrod and Sauron, which is alluded to in Rings of Power. And so we'll have to go into that on a future episode. But what we do get is a foreshadowing, I guess you could say, a glimpse. We get the actual poem, The Lay of Lethian. The Lay of Lethian is the song that Aragorn is singing in the Fellowship of the Ring when the hobbits ask him, who is this woman you're singing about? There's a scene in the movies, in the extended edition, where Frodo asks him about that. And he says, it's the Lay of Lethian. The Lay of Lethian, I thought would be a wonderful thing to end this episode on and give you a little bit of foreshadowing about where we're going next. Effectively, what is happening in the battle between Finrod and Sauron is that they are both using this. Uh, remember when we talked about magic, they're using the, the willing into existence of things, the stating of the way things are, the use of their words to will things into existence. Your staff is broken, that kind of magic. And they're doing it in the shape of a poem or a song. This is effectively the most dangerous rap battle that has ever taken place, if you want to think of it like that. And it goes like this. He chanted a song of wizardry and pierced opening of treachery, revealing uncovered, betraying. Then sudden Felagan there swaying sang a song of staying, resisting, battling against power, of secrets kept, strength like a tower, and trust unbroken, freedom, escape, of changing and shifting shape, of snares eluded, broken traps, the prison opening, the chain that snaps. Backwards and forwards swayed their song, reeling, foundering, as ever more strong. The chanting swelled, Felagan fought, and all the magic and might he brought. Of Elvenus into his words, softly in the gloom they heard the birds singing afar in Nargothrond. The sighting of the sea beyond, beyond the western world, on sand, on sand of pearls, on Elvenland, then in the doom gathered, darkness growing, in Valinor the red blood flowing, beside the sea where the Noldor slew, the foam riders and stealing drew, their white ships with their white sails from lamplit havens, the wind wails, the wolf howls, the ravens flee, the ice mutters in the mouths of the sea. The captives said in Angband mourn, thunder rumbles and fires burn, and Finrod fell before the throne. We are given a situation where Finrod does his best to bring about images of the good things and what he would have happen, the prison opening and the, tr the chains snapping, and he, and he takes us to a, the strongest place he can muster, visions of Valinor. And yet in doing that, Sauron is able to turn the song from the good places 
in the Holy Land to the terribleness of the kinslaying. And in doing this, he breaks Finrod. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play.